You have a tremendous problem. The first thing, always, that they mention to me, Mr. Trump, please do something. We may not like it, but I heard parts of the Spider-Man show. And we're going to work with you people to help you solve that very big problem. Radio Show, and here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe! Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy, he calls to you who, the social outcast, yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings. The name is Goodman, Spud Goodman. Yes! And I will be your host tonight for this little radio program. I can assure you I am a highly trained professional, so you're in good hands here. Eh, I, I guess I do say that with, with the caveat that, that the word professional is open to an individual interpretation. You know, after all these years on the air, I like to think I'm a professional, but it is a bit presumptuous for me to make that evaluation myself. You make the call after the show's done later, all right? So along uh, with me is our designated laugher, Gina. Hey, can you give us a small but expressive laugh, if you would? <laughs> All right, super. Uh, thank you. I, oh, and I guess I should also acknowledge our temporary co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Say hi. It, well, temporary permanent, and hi, everyone. Whatever. You know, before we get going here tonight, I wanted to respond to the listener who, uh, who um, actually, I should say plural, listeners who have emailed me with questions about my personal collection of shoehorns. Oh, yeah. You know, I had mentioned this briefly on a recent show, and I have to say I am amazed at how many other shoehorn collectors there are around the world. And I do mean the world, as I got one email from a guy in Berlin. He checks out the show on, uh, I think it's called Day Podcast. I, I don't know where in Europe for sure this site is. I, I've always been... I should look that up sometime, because, yeah, anyway, we've been carried on there a while. But we get a bunch of downloads, you know, of the radio show there, and this guy said... He owns, personally, over 360 shoehorns himself. Wow. But he didn't believe that I, myself, had over 700 of them in my collection. He wanted me to, like, take a picture of them and, and send it to him. So, you know, so I did. So I did. <laughs> I don't understand that, but I'm still laughing, and I don't know why. Well, and now... The dude emails me like every other day. It, it, it's weird to be worshipped for having a bunch of shoehorns. I wish it was because he dug the show. You know, Spud, I know you are an avid collector of many memorabilia items. Walking into your apartment, I'll tell you, it's like strolling through. Listen, do not, do not, don't say a garbage dump, okay? I'm so tired of hearing oh. family members complain about how cramped the apartment is with all my memorabilia, as you put it. They just don't get it. And it only makes common sense. Well, they might have an issue with the, 
well, smell as uh, it's a rather pungent uh, aroma coming in your bachelor apartment there. Uh, hey, look, I got rid of my fungus collection a couple months ago. The place smells fine now. Well, I think the odor was emanating more from just your fungus collection. Uh, now, do you still have the sweat sock collection from the roller derby league? Uh, you must have had a few hundred of those. Well, yeah. I mean, I love roller derby. I know. You know, when I just... Every time I go, I just ask a few skaters for their sweat socks afterwards. You know, some even some even some of them autograph them for me, but you know, I keep those in a separate bin from the non-autographed ones. But huh? I mean, I don't know. Collecting sweat socks, I'll admit it. it it's kind of strange, but you would be surprised how popular it is. Really? I know, you know, most people ask NBA or NFL stars for theirs, but mm-hmm. the chances of getting like Steph Curry or Aaron Rodgers to send me their old socks, it's just, it's just not that great. That's not, it's not going to happen. You know, they get bugged by everyone. Right. So I have to, you know, focus on less publicized sports. Like I have a small collection of jocks from guys that play in this flag, <laughs> you know, football league in the park near me. Um, I, I can't ask them for their jerseys after the game because they only have like one and it has to last the whole season. But jocks are like easy to give up to fans. You know, it must be a little awkward asking a stranger for the jock strap that he is currently wearing. That, that's an intimate garment. Gerald, there's nothing intimate about a jock. It's really nothing more than a genital sock. I guess it could guarantee chastity if... You just sewed in a lock. Yeah, yeah. for you with your secret underwear you have to wear all the time, I, oh. I, I guess that clothing item would uh, be off limits, right? But for most people, they don't have hang-ups about what they wear under their clothes. As we have discussed on many occasions, Spud, undergarments in our church are a special thing. Gerald. We, yeah, we don't need to discuss it again on the air. Yeah, you know, that, that topic bores me, actually. Oh. You know, if you want to wear those things anyway... It's your business. Thank okay? you. Right. I can assure you, I will never, ever collect any big-time star's magic underwear. Not even if Jimmer Fredette sent me his jock, uh, or whatever he wears. We don't wear jocks. We wear a similar garment, but it's not a jock strap, okay? Let, let's change the subject, please. When I came back from the hospital, the first thing I did was go look at my vag in the mirror. It looks better looking than before. Well, I need to play some music anyway. So anyway, this band played on our show live, uh, you know, a little over a year ago. Um, This is a studio version of the song that they performed. Uh, Here are the gods themselves. And uh, in honor, I guess, of the ongoing primary season, uh, this is their tune, I Am the President. Roll it. Take my rocket ship into 
This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hi, it's Kevin Nealon, and I'm on the Spud Goodman Show, but not for long. Whew. Uh, Spud, your yeah. f- your first guest, Zach Guilford, is ready to go on the phone. All right. You know, I never missed an episode of Friday Night Lights. You know, I'd, I'd rather just refer to Zach as Matt Saracen, QB1, but I think he's on a new show now, and I have to ask him about that. Come on, you can do it. Friday Night Lights. Now, what was that about? A, a nightclub, or no? What? It was it was a story about a guy who worked for a utility company, and and why only Friday night with no, the lights? No, I, I don't no, get it. No. I, I don't Come know. On. I've never understood. Seriously, it was about high school football in the state of Texas. It was based on the book by Buzz Bissinger, and, and was made into a movie, which was later made into the TV show that Zach was on. All from a story about high school football. You know, <laughs> right. our oldest son, who is in the 10th grade, has never been to a game. You know, him being homeschooled mostly, right. we, we would have a tough time putting a team together for him to play on. I think there's like 10 players on each side, right? Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Uh, that would be 11. Uh, oh, yeah, oh. I never understood that whole homeschool deal. I, I just don't get it. Do you let him and your other two kids out of the house on weekends, at least for a bit? In prison, they, they have to give like the death row guys an hour in the yard each day. Well, of course, they all get plenty of fresh air. Don't, don't you worry about my kids, bud. They're doing great. All right, good to know. Now, just put Zach on, would you? All right, here he is. Everyone, please greet actor Zach Guilford to the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, full disclosure, uh, you know, I love saying the title uh, of the show as much as possible because my name's in it. I just want to get that out of the way. So welcome, Zach. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Well, let me let me state that you're now co-starring in a new series on ABC, The Family, airing on Sundays at 9 p.m. 8 central. Now, you play Danny Warren, sort of the family screw-up, and your mother is played by the great Joan <laughs> Allen, correct? That is exactly 100% correct. All right, super. I did my research. Um, you know, in many of your previous roles on TV and film, you've played role model kind of guys. So how much research did you have to do for this role? Is it way more fun to play a more flawed character? Uh, I wouldn't say it's more fun, but I didn't have to do much research. I think I had to do more research to be the good guys. Um, oh, all right. That's so what we're looking it was kind of fun to step in. I actually, when the uh, the creator contacted me, you know, and said like, "Hey, I have this new show. I want you to read it." And didn't tell me who she wanted me to play. And I read the script and loved it. But I thought she wanted me to be this other character who was more of like a good guy. He was like the partner cop. And I was like, "Ah, what about the brother? Like, I really like him." And she was like, "No, that's what I wanted you to do." And I was like, "Oh, great! That would be super awesome." Wow. All right. Cool. Well. Let's touch for a second on some of your previous roles. Uh, now, everyone in America is aware that you are, or, okay, I guess maybe were, Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights, quite possibly the best sports-related drama ever, yes, even better than The White Shadow that aired on CBS from 78 to 81. So you must really be <laughs> proud. You know, you were proud. You might have to be proud that it transcended sports and it had a heck of a lot of heart. Uh, that's my opinion. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm so proud of that show, and... Uh... I've, you know, I think we did a, a great job making it. I thought it was really Heck yeah. an amazing show. And, and it wasn't cheesy, you know. We found a way to have heart without it being, like, you know, corny. And uh, it was a little, unfortunately, you know, I wish that show could have run for a much longer time. But I think we always pride ourselves on it being very authentic. And, you know, kids grow up, and none of us wanted to be in high school for 10 years. So, you know, I think the show kind of came to its natural end. 
I know I was really bummed at that after the fifth season because I wanted that sixth one. But, well, let me ask you this. You, you check in at what, around 5'9", 160? How much pounding did you have to take filming the act, game action stuff after taking over for Jason Street or, or Scott Porter in real life, I guess, as QB1 in season one? I mean, I think we tried to take more pounding than they would let us. Uh, you know, we'd always be like, I want to do it. I want to do the stunt. I want to do the stunt. And they'd tell, because these football players, some of them played in the NFL. They all played college football. So they'd be like, all right, Zach's in for this. Take it at 30%. And, like, you know, 30% you get hit. I'd be like, how do you hold on to the ball when you get hit that hard? Um, but also, you know, we had a, we all wanted to do as much as possible, but we didn't have any egos and you know, so if there's a throw that I could hit like five out of ten times, my double could hit it nine out of ten, and I didn't need to prove any to anyone I could do it and waste time missing it. So, you know, we'd usually let them let our doubles do the the serious football uh, just because. And it was serious. I mean, we had players break bones, we had people get concussions, and really, uh, those guys. Oh yeah, and those guys. I mean, they worked so hard. They're they're the best, and like you know, we really had a team by the end. Yeah, we had the same football players basically for all five years. And so we got really close with them. And, you know, there were times when I think it was Did you? He was his name came in and, and I got benched. The whole team was like, I don't like this guy, man. I don't, you're our quarterback. You're our quarterback. I don't like that they brought this new guy in. So uh, it was fun. It was like a real team. Yeah, I had to keep telling myself, you know, I've, I've been in the showbiz thing for a while, and, and I should know better, but I had to keep telling myself it was a TV show. So I became a pretty big fan of the Dylan Panthers. I just wanted to get that out. So, all right. Okay. Move, <laughs> you know, moving on. Moving on to other stuff. You've also done a few scary films, and I will admit to being somewhat afraid of watching those kind of movies at night, so I usually watch them in the daylight. So The Purge Anarchy had a semi-impressive body count, and The Devil's Due was appropriately creepy. So I, I take it actually being in scary movies is not that scary because you break for lunch and stuff is that right you break for lunch and it's i mean you know if there's a scene where there's like a bunch of blood you're just like oh this is gross it's so sticky i want to get out of it and you just have to dig deep and be like all right i'm gonna act like i'm scared even though i'm really just miserable um so yeah definitely not so scary when you're there but you do have moments i mean you know to make stuff look right sometimes i've shot in some creepy places and uh you know i'm purged we shot that all on locations in LA and we were, you know, downtown and down in like old train depots and stuff and places that had been abandoned for a while. So it was kind of creepy. Some of the locations that we were in, um, there's actually a scene in an alley where a, a rat jumps on my wife's leg and there were literally tons of rats in that alley. Like we were all freaked out because we thought we were going to get swarmed. Wow. All right. Yeah, rats kind of... I mean, I had a pet rat once, but now that I'm a little older, I'm realizing maybe that's probably not a good idea. But anyway, so you did a couple episodes of Drunk History, and off the record, does Comedy Central serve you guys weak well drinks and cheap beer, or do they spring for, like, top-shelf stuff before cast members go before the cameras? You know, I... (laughs) They didn't ask me to be the drunk guy. I was uh, reenacting the drunk guy, but the guy who created the show, Derek, is a good friend of mine, and uh, basically... They ask you what your uh, what your drink of choice is, and you know you tell them, and they supply it. Uh, so Super. it's in the house, so you know you're not going out to a bar ordering top shelf. They're bringing it over, so it's about half the price. So I think they kind of make up for it there. Wow. All right. Uh, okay. That's for the record. Uh, Spud, if I may, yes. well, I know you're currently lobbying our producer to provide 
free booze for you and the musical guests here in the studio. Right. But, well, I still feel quite strongly that drinking alcohol on the show is not a wise idea. Who asked you? Well, as you know, I'm not a drinker, and I'm not real familiar with the type of alcohol you're requesting be made available for everyone here. Is it cream de mint, you said? Yeah, cream de mint. I find it a very tasty beverage that has a little minty kick to it, sort of like dessert with a buzz. So, yeah, okay, I personally enjoy it, but I feel it would be a nice gesture to offer the musicians, too, who are nice enough to perform on our show. But, Spud, do we really want wild, out-of-control people who are puking all over the place? I don't puke after a couple glasses of cream de mint, okay? I can handle my after-dinner drinks. Well, why not a nice glass of Tang or Hawaiian Punch for everyone? Hey, how about a nice Hawaiian Punch? Sure. <laughs> there'd really? Be, there'd be a lot less green vomit to clean up after each show. As someone who can't even drink a Diet Coke, maybe you should oh. stick with stuff you know something about. Well, no need to bring up my religious beliefs, Spud. Okay, but I've never gotten that coffee-cola deal. I get the alcohol angle, as you sure don't want people puking at church. Anyway, let's just let me get back to Zach. Well, very well, but just give my suggestion some thought, please. Hey, I'm back. Sorry about that, Zach. Uh, no problem. No problem. Uh, well, Zach, what do you like to do away from the showbiz scene? Now, this is a trite question, yes, and, and there's a heads up. I have an even more cliche one to close this interview coming up next, but what do you usually do to... Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do to kick back? Uh, you know, I'm an outdoors guy, so I like to hike. I mean, I used to be a big camper. I used to take, like, high school kids on backpacking trips for, like, months at a time in Alaska and New Zealand. So, you know, one of the big upsides to living in California is there's mountains right there and right you know i can get out drive an hour and be you know in the mountains all day and feel like i'm you know somewhere in the rockies uh so that's kind of what i love to do um i just like to be outside i like to be active i get very antsy sitting around well, all right super now there's rats up in the mountains too i just want to give you a heads up so okay well last question <laughs> zach um what has been your most memorable moment in the entertainment industry to this point Oh man, most memorable moment, honestly. <laughs> you can make something uh, up if you want. No, no, they're all sports related, you know what I mean? Luckily, my first TV, I'm a huge sports guy, and my first TV show is sports based, and so a lot of sports people watched it. So through that, I was able to go on the field for a Bears game. I was able to throw out the opening pitch at a White Sox game. Wow. I've been in the locker room for the Chicago Bulls. Dang. Um, and that's the kind of stuff where I'm just like, I will milk this as long as possible. Because um, I feel like a kid meeting these people. Um, so it's, it's, it's been pretty, I'm very thankful for all, you know, aside from the life that, you know, being able to work has afforded me. I'm also thankful for all the, like, experiences of it. Dang, yeah, all right, super. All right, well, I know you got to go, so I want to get this out again. Uh, Zach Guilford is now co-starring in the new ABC series, The Family, airing Sundays at 9 p.m., 8 central. Hey, uh, thanks very much for checking in with us, man, okay? My pleasure, man. For all who love beautiful music, there's one program you must hear. This is the Spud Goodman Show. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please welcome our musical guest for tonight. It is Swoon Records recording artist, The Variety Hour. Uh, gentlemen, please state your name and your shoe size. Rob Olson, size 12. 
Robert Lomax, size seven. I'm like an elf. May I ask? Yeah, I was going to ask if your shoes, if the shoes match the hand size, but I'll, I'll just forget about that. Um, so give us uh, the for dummies version of uh, the life and times of the Variety Hour, the date of birth, band feuds, number of rehab stays, you know, the usual stuff. Well, uh, we're going on 10 years together, and uh, 10 years, same two guys. We've had a few bass players, and uh, now we're kind of rocking it as a two-piece. Um, we're on. Uh, we're mixing album number four. Uh, last album was on Swoon Records. Exploded View is the name of the album. Okay, super. Uh, playing the local scene. All right. Well, when the band gets to the point where you can like start making demands on your concert writers, what will be the most you know the must-have item? For your dressing room before the show, a humidifier maybe. All I wanted was a Pepsi, just one Pepsi, and she wouldn't give it to me. Or you know maybe a case of Fago or or, or Pepsi or whatever. Oh. Any demands that you're looking forward to putting down in writing? Well, I have a demand on what not to have, and that's brown M&Ms in the M&M bowl. Okay. Mm. All right. Mm. I think I've read about that. Um, is there anyone uh, who had a real big influence on the band and its sound? Want to go for it, Robert? Uh. There's a lot. Uh, local bands, Wellwater Conspiracy, Pearl Jam. Rob, I'll let you finish. Yeah, you know, we're big into uh, kind of the heavy shoegaze bands of the 90s, like the Catherine Wheel. Uh, we like some newer bands like the Life and Times, kind of post-rock. Um, All right. Uh, All right, super. Well, let me ask you this. Do either of you guys, like, away from the band, I like to get a little bit of, you know, background on you guys away from music. Do you guys ever maybe think about doing Civil War reenactments? Because I've been thinking of, you know, trying that activity one weekend in, like, next month, I think it is. You know, but but my only concern is what if you get picked to be on the losing side, right? I mean, I look a lot better in blue. Gray makes me look pale. Have you guys ever thought about doing this? Well, we've never gotten past Revolutionary War, so, you know, it's certainly on the horizon. We don't want to count that out. All right. Okay, super. Well, what's the name of the of the first song? First song, uh, this song is called Distant Twin. It's kind of a sci-fi fantasy. All Slow right. burner. We're going to lull you in. Super. Here is the Variety Hour. out of you preserved it in an amber vial nothing more I could do to keep 
with me for a while, 20 light years away. And the only thing that matters at all, now I want you to stay. How I left you. Your distant twin, you're exactly just the same as when you went away. And now and then, I'll forget your second best, lesser than the real thing. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Don't go away or you'll miss the amazing conclusion of the Spud Goodman Radio Show right after this brief timeout. Spud Goodman, don't let me, let me in tears. Spud Goodman, don't let me for drinking my beers. He takes the spatula and puts it in the pan. And why he done that, I just don't understand. He grabs some pencil to quick relief. His indigestion is beyond belief. Spot Goodman! Spot Goodman! Spot Goodman Show! We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Oh, Spud, yeah. it's time for Out of This World with Ted Marr, our show's psychic. Uh, he's waiting to speak with you. Okay. You know, I did have something I wanted to run by him tonight. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's pretty cool, you know, to have the opportunity, I guess. I guess that's the way you'd put it, to get to speak each week to, you know, someone who knows everything about dead people, aliens, and all things supernatural. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. I, I know. Uh, should I do the plug for yeah, his radio show absolutely. now? Absolutely. Just get. Do it. <clears throat> Ted Mars Out of This World radio show can be heard each Friday afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m., 
Pacific Daylight Time on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. in Seattle or online. Well done, I guess. Uh, let me speak huh. to him now. Yeah, you got it. Here he is. Please welcome the Spud Goodman Show's own psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. Hey, Ted. Uh, so tonight I wanted to ask you if you could try and contact Andy Kaufman, you know, the comedian for me. I just did. He just came in, actually. Super. All right. And I cool. think he'll have, he'll, we'll have some surprising answers for you. Wow. Hey, Spud, if you're going to ask Ted about Andy Kaufman, could you request that he check on Dane Cook? I don't think Dane Cook is dead. Really? I would no. have sworn he died a few years ago. You know, I've always been a big Dane Cook fan. Yeah, good to know. Anyway, uh, let me get back to Ted, okay? Yeah, okay, okay. All right, Ted, I'm back. Sorry about that. Okay, sh good, sure. You know, there have been stories over the years that he may have, you know, punked us all by faking his death, and I was such a huge fan. If if you are able to connect with him right now, that that would be, you know, good enough proof for me so I can finally have closure. I all I can say is it's just weird when you don't know for sure if someone's actually dead. Well, um, what my spirit friends are saying on the other side is that he did fake his death, and um, he's still very much alive today, but living under an assumed name. Wow. Really? Mm -hmm. That's a scoop. Mm -hmm. I'm sure TMZ's going to mm -hmm. be on this. You're going to definitely get on TMZ for that. All right. Well, um, what, where, where, where's he hanging out at, if I could ask? Or is that like, uh, is that like the you know, witness protection thing where he's not allowed to disclose, or you're not allowed to disclose for him? Um, I got California. California, well, all right. And he goes between Los Angeles and Vegas. Wow, that's pretty... Quite a bit. That's done, yeah. Um, yeah. So he's not on that other side then, so he's still hanging with all of us. So uh, this is interesting. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, does he have a lot of people pissed at him, like friends, family, uh, besides his fans? Uh, I mean, how's he handling all this? Is, is, he, is he afraid to come out? He prefers being in in um, under undercover because uh, the, the one word that I got were, was bill were bills. Bills, okay. Um, yeah, he got bills. He's got creditors. Um, by disappearing, faking his death, um, he had sequestered a lot of money aside. Um, he paid uh, for a new identity, and so he's living very comfortably now. But you had plastic surgery, um, a new identity, and you would not probably know. You wouldn't know him if you saw him today. Wow. Well, if if for, you know if he would have actually passed on to that other side, uh, do entities get mm -hmm. get pissed when someone messes with them, or, or you know, like because he really loved to mess with people, or, or do they just give a pass to everybody, you know, especially people like Andy, if 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 they get on their nerves? What happens is that when people go to the other side, um, they get access, instant access to universal truth. So they're able to understand why they behaved the way they the way they did, why pe other people may perhaps be unhappy or happy with them, and so um, with that in mind, their behavior often changes for the better. I'm not saying that everyone changes for the uh, when they get on the other side because the personalities often re remain intact. All right. Well, I guess you've uh, answered the great mystery about uh, Andy Kaufman, and uh, now I, I suppose you've unleashed. Uh, the world uh, in a, an ongoing uh, attempt to locate him somewhere in California or maybe when he's hanging out in Vegas. So I guess that's something we can all, you know, focus our attention on. I know I myself will uh, do what I can do. I'd love to have him on this radio show. So, all right. Well, Ted, I want to thank you so much for checking in with us tonight, okay? 
My pleasure. Uh, happy to be of service, bud. All right, Mr. Ted Marr. This is the Spud Goodman Show. I think that this is your way of telling me something. You know, now that we've brought up my little hobby on the show tonight, I have to say, you know, you really ought to give collecting memorabilia, you know, a shot yourself. No offense, yeah. but you seem to live a 100% fun-free life, man. I mean, where's the joy? Uh, how do you conjure up the strength to get out of bed each morning knowing your bleak existence will be devoid of any happiness? Well, you know, I, I'm a very happy person, extremely happy. Really? I'm happy all day long. But my wife, Rachel, would never let me fill up our house with all the items you seem to value. Yeah. We, you know, we use our living space for our family to enjoy. Uh, yeah, I was going to mention that. Do you really enjoy sitting on the furniture in that living room of yours? You yeah. know, when I finally did come over for dinner, what was it, a couple months ago? Right, yeah. I got to say, I was a little creeped out. I mean, with everything covered in plastic, it felt like being in a quarantine Ebola unit at a hospital. What's your wife afraid of? You know, that someone's going to, like, drop a crumb or something? I'm so hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is a bit of a neat neck. Oh, yeah, you think? I, I, I kid her often about it. But, you know, with the kids and their friends, upholstery can be damaged at any moment. We have very nice furniture, Spud. Well, we try to keep it that what way. What good is nice furniture if you can't enjoy it? Your kids must take a lot of crap from their friends. You know, you know like they live in a, a plastic bubble or something? Yes, yeah. I, I believe the kids have mentioned that a few friends have made a similar remark or two. But, hey, you know what? If it keeps Rachel happy. Look, know. look. I know that money is an issue for you. I, I mean, with you having two jobs already, collecting might be a great thing for you as I make a bit of cash, you know, selling my stuff on eBay. I don't need to get specific, but I, I make some dough, so maybe you can make enough to quit that carpet salesman job you have. Spud, let's be honest about making money with the eBay thing, with the exception of that sweatband worn by Yao Ming and some Astro Lube found in the garbage can of Sting. You haven't made enough cash to buy a mood ring. Oh, I, I gotta tell you, Spud, I would never quit my position with South Seattle Carpet and there Linoleum. I love my job there as assistant manager. Yeah, I guess I deserve that free plug of yours as I teed that one up for you. But no more mentions about your other job without them paying for it. Right, right. Got it, got it. I just get excited every time I discuss South yeah, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, so if if you want, I could get you started on collecting, say, shoehorns, too. I have hmm. some plastic ones that, that I could part with. I mean, not totally free. We could discuss a trade, you know, maybe. You know, um... I could use some new shag carpeting in my bedroom. Oh, oh I, I, I'm not allowed to take store products for personal use, but I hope you can respect that. Really? Well, then what about a killer discount? Uh, how about that, at least? you got to be able to do that. Uh, I'm giving you 15 or 20 rare shoehorns, man. Well, at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum, we pride ourselves on the fact wow. that we do not discount our merchandise, as we already have the lowest prices in the market. It's not even close. Oh, shut up. You know, one more mention of your place of business, and I will have a billing statement prepared by the interns. Put it in the mail right after the show. You got sorry, it? I'll sorry. tell them to do that. So you, you know, anyway, so you're, so you're not even going to let me, the host of this show, get a little tiny discount. That is very upsetting. Just forget about the damn shoehorns then. Well, <laughs> that, that's, that's fine, Spud, as I'm not interested in collecting shoehorns. Yeah, but they're really, really cool shoehorns. It's okay. I'm fine without them. Uh, that's what you think now, but later you're gonna kick yourself for turning your back on this deal. Well, I, I'll I will live with that, I guess. 
All right, fine. Uh, why don't you just make yourself useful now and, and see if our next guest is on the line, all right? Oh, yeah, okay, let me check. And uh, Oh, yeah, Spud, he is on the line right now. Uh, should I put him through? Yeah, very cool. I am pumped to be able to speak with actor R.J. Mitty, who is better known, of course, as Walter White Jr. Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad seriously, in my opinion, and I'm not an expert, but, oh, maybe I am an expert. Anyway, it is... The best drama in the last 20 years on television. All right? You heard it right here. You know, I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Now, that was the show about a cop who went bad on CBS, right? What's with you, Johan? Uh, are you an alien or something? Breaking Bad was about a high school teacher in Albuquerque who... Who, who went bad. Yeah, I think I saw that show. He was a PE teacher, and he was no, fired. No, no. Walter White Sr. was a chemistry teacher, and he became involved with a former student, mm. and they started cooking meth, you know. Uh, just, never mind. Just, just put RJ on, please. Good call, yo. There are so many TV shows on nowadays. I, I guess I just can't keep up with all of them. How do you do it? You must not sleep as there are not enough hours in the day to watch so much TV. In life, you have to make choices in terms of priorities. We all have to make sacrifices to do what we have to do. <laughs> you know, I get on, you know, I get by maybe with three to four hours of sleep a night. You know, depends, but because I got a lot of shows to get through. Uh, it takes dedication and focus, man. Right, right. Okay, well, here's RJ. Please say hello to actor R.J. Mitty. Uh, thanks for calling in, man. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Super. All right, well, you have a film out now, Who's Driving Doug? Uh, tell our listeners the basics. I I'm guessing you don't play the son of a teacher meth cook, correct? <laughs> no, not this time. Uh, I play a character named Doug, uh, who uh, has muscular dystrophy, and is kind of in a position where he's confined... Not to a chair, but to his life. Mm -hmm. He's just stuck in this rut where he goes to school and goes home, and that's all he does. He never really express, explores his life and expresses his feelings, and this is a journey of him understanding that he's not confined as much to he thinks he is. He has to step out for himself, and he has to fight for what he wants. And it's cool. It takes place in Los Angeles and uh, Vegas. Oh, super. Well, Daphne uh, Zuniga uh, plays your mother in the film. That makes me feel very, very old, as I used to have a thing for her on Melrose Place. Didn't really care for the show, but I just dug her. It must be cool to have all these hot on-screen moms. I mean, and a gun, too, of course. Life is good for R.J. Mitty, correct? I mean, hey, you know, it's, it's, I've, I've been lucky enough that I've always had a hot mom, so, yeah. you know, I I can't I can't complain. It's funny that she's on Melrose Place, but she's also on Spaceballs. Oh, yeah. Uh, the company. So, no, I've, I've been very lucky with the group of people that I've been able to work with, and uh, we have Ray William Johnson and Paloma Kowalski as well, and we really had a good group of people and a great crew, and we really had a lot of fun doing it. We were lucky. We were really lucky because it went very smooth. RJ, you were incredible as Walter White Jr. I mean, you won a Screen Actors Guild After Award for your portrayal of the son of a, a very, very complicated man. When you got the role, what were your expectations of how the show would be received? Did you, did you have a gut feeling it had the potential to be massive right away, or did you feel it would be a slow build? Well, we had, you know, you can never know what's going to happen with a project. You never know if it's going to be a success or a failure, even how good you think it is. So we were just hoping for the best and 
It's like any project. You 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 do your job. You hope you you enjoy it. You hope the fans enjoy it. But you just at the end of the day, you just put it out there for the world to see. And if it gets picked up, if it gets it gets picked up, and if it falls, it falls. Right. You just keep making, keep keep fighting for the next one. Well, during the shooting of the last season, I was just curious, were you afraid your character might meet a terrible fate? I mean, if they were ever going to have a reunion movie or something, it would be a bummer if Walter White Jr. wasn't around. You know, I actually, I was hoping for a good old-fashioned bloodbath death. Oh. I thought, uh, I thought, I thought that would have been the most ultimate, um, ultimate sacrifice that Brian's character, Walt, would have had to do was sacrifice sacrifice his son because then he then everything was in for nothing right okay um well you know i wanted to get yeah, on that note <laughs> yeah, really hey, um Spud, yes. I, well, I know you were a big fan of breaking bad so i was just wondering if you too grew up in a household with a meth cooking father i know you've hinted that your dad had issues Look, my but- dad was never a meth cook Man, geez, yes, he did have issues, but they centered around his inability to stop dating after he married my mother. Oh. It went on for like years. I think they sort of had an open marriage for a while, as those were big in the 70s, but I know my mom thought he was a total horn dog. In fact, I think that term was used in her request for the divorce. Oh, that's good to know. I-, I just wondered why you loved Breaking Bad so much, and I was hoping that you two were not brought up by someone like Walter White. No, the worst thing my dad ever got involved with was stealing basic cable for many years. I, uh, he just thought the cable company was ripping everyone off, so he sort of borrowed the neighbor's signal by splicing into their line. But unlike Walter White, he never got caught. You know, your dad sounds like he was quite a rebel. Yeah, I mean, if he ever did make it to heaven, then I'm pretty sure he's hitting on anything that's blonde and open to listening to his sales pitch. He always had a thing for blondes. Well, I hope that they're age-appropriate. There's nothing sadder than an older guy in heaven still looking for women half their own age. Look, my dad was open to women of any age. He didn't discriminate against older women, as long as they were even, like, sort of blonde. Yeah, but your mother was a brunette. Yeah, I guess she had a few blonde wigs in their bedroom, but I don't want to get into that right now. Let me get back to RJ, okay? Yeah, wigs, huh? Th- that sounds like good, wholesome fun to me. Yeah, whatever. Hey, RJ. Well, I wanted to cover this. Now, you've taken it upon yourself to work as a spokesperson for those dealing with disabilities in the entertainment industry, serving as a representative of inclusion in the arts and media of performers with disabilities. Has there, in your opinion, has there been much progress made in hiring practices? Um, you know, I, yes, yes and no. I think there's definitely been more, uh, m- more opportunity for people with disabilities. I think we still have a long way to go. But um, I, I think... I think what is really getting down to it is you have a lot of people with disabilities that are putting in the work, that are putting in the hours, that are putting in the time, that are wanting to work and wanting to make a difference in the the, um, the arts and films community. And I think that's really important because it's only it's only half the battle to to get in the door, but it's the other half is is to make sure that you are presenting a good work. And that you do have a um, a good message, and I think that a lot of people with disabilities have been hitting it hard and have, are getting ready for pilot season. So I, I think there is a big change, but I think we do need more access, and we do need more we need more honest stories in, in television. So I think it's a work in progress. 
Super. Well, you personally have mild cerebral palsy, but did you experience bullying and harassment by peers in school? Yeah, I did. I I felt I dealt with my own bullies. I um I had my hand broken, my foot broken. I was pushed. I was shoved. I was made. I was made fun of. But um, you know, the thing about it was, is I never really allowed them to to manipulate me. I never allowed them. I was never really afraid of them. I always fought back. I always. I, I never really backed down from from these people because as soon as you start showing weakness, they they prey on you and they keep attacking you. And if you stand up for what you believe in, if you stand up for yourself, I don't care what bully it is. It could be a kid in the schoolyard or it could be your boss. You know, right? I hate to say it, we never really we never really get out of school. Right. So I you you can't you can't back down. And I think there there is. You know, I, there is a time place, but you have to always fight back. Right. I, I just wanted to get your counsel for other kids who might be listening to ha- who you know have to deal with similar experiences. So thank you for that. Okay. Oh, of course. Right. Um, I'm going to close this interview with my stock question of what's been your most memorable moment. But in your case, let's go with your five seasons on Breaking Bad. Yeah. No. I um. I've I've been lucky enough. I've had quite a few mineral. Uh, mineral. <laughs> memorable moments in my life. I've been I've been very lucky that I've had some extraordinary things. Uh, Breaking Bad being one of them. But uh, I, I think for when it comes down to that, the pilot for me was the most extraordinary experience. And it, it taught me so much. And it taught me... Uh, the, the only reason why I'm in this industry today is because of the pilot. So. Right. Okay. Super. Well, I want to remind everyone now listening that your new film... Who's Driving Doug is now showing in theaters nationwide and also available on video on demand, all right? So, again, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. No, my pleasure. It, by the way, it's also coming to Netflix the 27th. All right, very cool. All right. All right, Mr. R.J. Mitty. This is the Spud Goodman Show. I can't take this. Once again, the Variety Hour. Thank you. 
This is the Spud Goodman Show. It smells really good. Hey, uh, Spud, there's another call holding for you, but I don't think it's anyone famous. Do you want to take it as we have a few minutes to kill here, or would you rather just speak with me now? You know, we could talk about our families, books we enjoy, maybe a little sports talk. You don't know anything about sports, so no, I will opt for taking the damn call. But thanks for the offer. Put it through. Uh, Okay, fine. Uh, uh, Is this Mr. Spud S. Goodman? Uh, Yeah. Uh, How'd you know my middle initial? Uh, my name is James Reinhardt, and I'm with Evergreen Collections. I'm calling about an overdue obligation uh, you currently owe. Uh, I believe you're familiar with this outstanding yeah, stuff. Yeah, really? You're, you're going to call me at work? You know, I'm on the air right now. Um, you know, unfortunately, we had no choice. Uh, you haven't responded to our correspondence, and apparently you don't have a current working phone number. Spud. Hold it, because now I'm getting tea off of you. Would, would you like me to implement the plan now? You know, we've prepared for this. You just say the word. No, I, I can handle this, all right? Yeah, I am Spud S. Goodman, all right? But dude, don't bug me at work, okay? Call me later, I'll call you or whatever. Just later, okay? I gotta go. Your, uh, your employer has been notified on the pending garnishment of your wages in this matter. It, it need not be punitive, Mr. Goodman. Just say the word and we can negotiate a workable payment plan. Look, this was like two years ago, and I stopped using my Home Depot credit card. I never should have opened the thing, but the guy at the counter there said I could get the card on the spot. So I said, yeah, but, you know, I could have paid cash for that stupid fake Christmas tree if it was priced reasonably. $270 for a tree? You know, he told me it would last 15 years, so it was a bargain in the long term. Tonight, a Kelly File exclusive. Actually, you know, if you prorate that figure out, he was correct as natural Christmas trees cost on average about... The the damn thing was too freaking hard to put together. The directions made no sense, so I just ended up duct taping it together to get through that Christmas. And I took it back after the new year, but they wouldn't give me my refund, wouldn't give me my money back. Something about all the (laughs) duct tape on it or something. I will never, ever, ever... You know, pay that money back to Home Depot. I don't know. I don't know if this dude's still on the line. In fact, I will never set foot back in a Home Depot ever, especially since their CEO is such a. Mr. Goodman, uh, you know what? Um, I'll just submit the wage attachment paperwork. Uh, uh, have a good evening. It, it wasn't until you called. Do you still have that tree, Spud? Maybe I can try to take it back for you. You know, me being in retail, I might be able to finesse the situation. Gerald, could you just not say anything so I can find something to laugh at here? I mean, uh, you're killing me. Yeah, I I set it on fire outside my apartment on the 4th of July last summer. It went up in like 30 seconds. It was pretty impressive. The kids liked it. You know, they're watching it. But anyway, just let me close the show now. We're running out of time. Well, I know, but you know, Spud, now that we've brought up the topic of your memorabilia collection, Well, have you given any thought to the possibility that you may be a little too invested emotionally in this activity? You you seem so attached to all those items you've gathered and are storing in your apartment. Yeah, your living space is very small right now. It's almost unlivable. You have magazines and boxes stacked up to the ceiling. You two non-collectors just don't get it. The stuff I have curated in my apartment are part of me, part of who Spud Goodman is. Would you be where you are had there not been a sex tape? No. 
Uh, you know, I think you just used a third-person reference, but that's supposed to cost anyone on staff here five bucks in the cliché jar. Well, maybe so, but it was worth it. I'll borrow the money from one of the interns later, so don't worry. I'll put the money in the jar! Oh, okay. Listen, Bud, I, you are so darn witty. I know this is a sensitive topic for you, as I am sure family members have already broached the subject with you. But, Spud, are you aware of the psychological realities that fellow hoarders deal Listen, with in their daily lives? Listen, I am lives? not a hoarder. That's the cross that serious collectors like me have to bear. You become really good at something, you know, like this, and, and people come at you with that hoarder label. What? You're now a clinical psychologist? Is that your third job? It must be part-time. Because I know, I know you don't have the time to have a third job, so... Just knock it off. I don't need to hear that. I, I'm not professing to be a psychologist, but I did watch many episodes of Hoarders on Annie, and I'm able to empathize with those who suffer from this affliction. The first step is to admit you have a problem. There are others, not me, but professionals who are trained to help you through this. You complete me. Is this about my petrified tongue collection? None are human tongues, okay? What? Most are animals, and, and a few are birds. If I... If I had them appraised, and I'm, I'm not absolutely sure of this, but I bet they're worth a few hundred dollars at least. It's not that weird to collect these things. Spud, you are clearly one odd man. As you remain your biggest, biggest fan, we suggest you immediately seek help now as fast as you can. I, I was not even aware of your tongue collection, but now that you've brought that up, yes, that is very disturbing. <laughs> I was referring to your habit of storing gallbladders in all those old Gerber's baby food jars. Yeah. You must have a couple cases of them. That is flat out upsetting. How, how does one even acquire human gallbladders? I have a friend who will be unnamed who works in the waste disposal unit at a local unnamed hospital, okay? I mean, they just dump out all the organs they take out of patients. Most people in this country think gallbladders are a useless body part, but you'd be surprised how, how high it's valued in other cultures. Well, heavens, what would the use be? Well, that's not my business. I've only maybe sold a dozen or so on eBay, so it's not like I'm making a killing on them. I, I just need to close the show now, so I'll keep your thoughts to yourself and let me get this done. Spud, <laughs> I would bet that there are federal or international laws preventing the sale of human organs. I'm pretty positive about this one. Well, they're not being transplanted into other people. I mean, geez, that was offensive to me, and I, I'm sure the listeners. Oh. People just collect them, all right? Nothing more. Who's to say something is too weird to collect? Who made you judge and jury, by the way? I need to sign Hello, off now. You, can't. you know, this is Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Spud, I'm serious. We can get you help. The Spud Goodman Radio Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. Video director, TJ Pites. On-air talent, Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, and Tom Nolan. Production assistants, Trent Botello and Carrie Coleman. Spud's Greek chorus is The Folk Singers in Hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Hey, hey, hey.
Stay tuned for an eclectic mix of music. Stay tuned for captivating talk. Stay tuned for insightful analysis of The Spud Goodman Show. Stay tuned for The Spud Goodman Post-Show Report. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Gina, and I will be your host for tonight's Spud Goodman Post-Show Report. Our regular host, Lawrence, is away at a stamp collector's conference uh, for ex-convicts. I was told that Lawrence was one of the more impressive stamp collections among all the ex-offenders, given the volume of mail that he got from pen pals around the world. His collection is world-class. I am looking forward to hearing about the com- how the conference went. I know I used to collect stamps um, when I was a girl. I had a rare stamp from Costa Rica that generated a bit of a buzz from my friends who are collectors too. You know, I really should give some thought about getting back into that stamp collecting. Uh, uh, hello, I'm sitting right next to you and I can't even get a formal introduction. I am the fill-in co-host tonight. Did you forget? Oh, right. Uh, yes. So with me is our highlight guy, Derek. Um, as Lawrence is gone and I will be hosting, I guess you could say he's filling in for me as co-host, but could? most probably in title only. I, I really don't need a co-host given how much time I've put into this week preparing for this assignment. Well, please don't take this the wrong way, but there is a reason our executive producer, Lori, asked me to step up here and be ready to back you up when you inevitably begin to struggle. I mean, I don't want to increase your anxiety level here, as I know for you, this is quite a challenge hosting an entire hour radio show. Anxiety level? My anxiety level is just fine. Do you think I'm all stressed out about being the host tonight? I mean, really? Do I sound stressed? Derek, I'm a trained radio professional. A trained radio professional designated laugher. How long was that laughter program you finished? Three months? Um, the designated laughter program I completed at Bates Vocational School was six and a half months. I just found no reason to sign up for a full two-year radio bo- broadcasting degree. I mean, it was a no-brainer for me. As jobs are tight on for on-air DJs, but there were tons of openings for a designated laugher. I took this position with Spud Show because it was close and being pregnant, I didn't want to relocate and have a long commute. Well, I completed almost 14 months of an online radio broadcasting program myself. I would have completed it if I hadn't lost my internet connection and all that. But, you know, I was a little short of cash for a while there. And I tried one of those GoFundMe things to see if the community would support my educational efforts. But I only got a $15 pledge, so that was that for now. Mm, That's so sad. Well, why don't we introduce our panel? Um, We could not do the show without them. We have TJ on the soundboard sitting in for Dave. Yeah, Dave's not here. (laughs) And, of course, we have Mike, our wonderful engineer. Hey, how are you doing, guys? We have Trent. He's our production assistant. I miss Dave. And Carrie Tompkins, our intern from Pierce Community College. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, all right. Now that that's over, we can maybe take a few moments to share with our listeners some of, um, or I guess my thoughts as I will lead it off. So how about the establishment Republican Party bigwigs trying to stop the people's will by preventing Mr. Trump the nomination? It's outrageous, don't you think? 
Uh, not really. So why don't we start things off tonight musically with some from the great Johnny Mathis and his song, The Street Where You Live. And then we have a live cut of Been a Son by, of course, Nirvana. So TJ, hit it. But. No. But. Often walked down the street before, but the pavement always stayed beneath my feet before. All at once am I several stories high, knowing I'm on the street where you live. Are there lilac trees? In the heart of town Can you hear a log In any other part of town Does enchantment pour Out of every door No, it's just on the street Where you live And oh, the towering feeling Just to know somehow you are near The overpowering feeling That any second you may suddenly appear People stop and stare They don't bother me For there's nowhere else on earth That I would rather be Let the time go by I won't care if I Can be here on the street Where you Stop and stare They don't bother me For there's nowhere else on earth That I would rather be Let the time go by I won't care if I Can be here on the street Where you live Let me street where you
Gentlemen, post show report. All right, welcome back, and please say hi to our musical guest, the Variety Hour. Thank you. Super. Yeah, thank you for hanging around for the post-show report. Um, so Lawrence did request that I ask you guys if any of you have done some serious prison time. It's a special interest for him. I, I don't like to talk about it. it it's, it's the dark past. <laughs> Community service, halfway houses, no hard time. No hard time. All right. Okay. I'm put that in the notes for him. <laughs> uh, so your name, the Variety Hour. Uh, do any of you have other talents than music? Can you juggle or do impressions? Pretty I, mediocre at most everything. I don't know if it's a talent. I climb rocks sometimes. That's that's pretty cool talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And I, I was personally wondering, uh, how much of an influence did the Insane Clown Posse have on the Variety Hour sound? I mean, I, I know it may be very subtle for some bands, but they have had such a wide-reaching impact on other musicians. There, there is a supply of Fago in the, the practice space. Great. Right. We're generally embraced by the uh, Juggalos, I believe they call them, the mm-hmm. fans. Yeah. Juggalos. Yep. Right. Great. There, there are uh, people. Cool. So I I'm hope you're listening, jump, Spud. I'm jump in here real quick. Uh, so, guys, what's your position on our future president, Donald Trump? Uh, I'm a local organizer for his campaign, so I was wondering if you guys would be willing to play a fundraiser not for super. him. I, I know people think he's so rich, but it's, it's expensive to run a campaign. Do you got any other orange guys? <laughs> Good Super. answer. All right. So what is the band's favorite activity when not playing music? Any interesting hobbies? Well, you kind of mentioned one, rock climbing. Those rocks. Yeah, those those rocks. The rocks thing again. I'm a lover of the wilderness. You might find me out and out on the trails now and then. All right. So Synchronized swimming. Robert and I, we, we compete <laughs> competitively doing that too. Okay. And the last question is, what is the name of your last song? This song is called Loser Elite off our last album on Swoon Records, and it seems to be a crowd favorite, so we're going to play it tonight. Great. Can't recall revolution in the concert hall it's the past Too bad it didn't last Suit yourself I see you kicking with the commonwealth It's a gas A convoluted mess It's an evolution, it's a sign of the time Pilfering the founder, happening on the line I'm not a mannequin, but that I can cheat here we come running with a loser elite. I don't mind. I can't be bothered with the different kind. I'll embrace sleepwalking talkers of a common taste. This is an illusion, it's a sign of the time. You're fooling the founder out the thing on the vine. Here we come running with a loser in the 
Development Post Show Report. So, Derek, I, I it's that time. Huh? Oh, sorry, I was uh, tweeting to Donald Trump real quick. Uh, of course you were. What? Where are we? Oh, we're at the uh, highlights, aren't we? Okay. Yes, uh, highlights. Awesome. So our first highlight Super, of the night um, uh, comes from the Zach Guilford interview. And in this interview, Spud is talking talking to him about his time on Friday Night Lights. And Zach talk, tells us about the uh, dangers of doing your own stunts on the show. Let's touch for a second on some of your previous roles. Uh, now, everyone in America is aware that you are, or, okay, I guess maybe were, Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights, quite possibly the best sports-related drama ever, yes, even better than The White Shadow that aired on CBS from 78 to 81. So he must really be <laughs> proud. You know, you were proud. You might have to be proud that it transcended sports and it had a heck of a lot of heart. I, that's my opinion. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm still proud of that show. And, uh, I've, you know, I think we did a, a great job making it. I thought it was really heck yeah. an amazing show. and. And it wasn't cheesy, you know. We found a way to have heart without it being, like, you know, corny. And uh, it was a little, unfortunately, you know, I wish that show could have run for a much longer time, but I think we always pride ourselves on it being very authentic. And, you know, kids grow up, and none of us wanted to be in high school for 10 years. So, you know, I think the show kind of came to its natural end. I know I was really bummed at that after the fifth season because I wanted that sixth one. But, well, let me ask you this. You, you check in at, what, around 5'9", 160? How much pounding did you have to take filming the act, game action stuff after taking over for Jason Street or, or Scott Porter in real life, I guess? That's QB1 in season one. I mean, I think we tried to take more pounding than they would let us. Uh, you know, we'd always be like, I want to do it. I want to do the stunt. I want to do the stunt. And they'd tell, because these football players, some of them played in the NFL. They all played college football. So they'd be like, all right, Zach's in for this. Take it at 30%. And, like, you know, 30% you get hit. I'd be like, how do you hold on to the ball when you get hit that hard? Um, but also, you know, we had a, we all wanted to do as much as possible, but we didn't have any egos. And, you know, so if there's a throw that I could hit, like, five out of ten times, my double could hit it nine out of ten, and I didn't need to prove any, to anyone I could do it and waste time missing it, so, you know, we'd usually let them, let our doubles do the the serious football, uh, just because, and it was serious, I mean, we had players break bones, we had people get concussions, and really? uh, those guys, oh, yeah, and those guys, I mean, they work so hard, they're, they're the best, and like, you know, we really had a team by the end, you know, we had the same football players, basically, for all five years, yeah, I never really played much football in high school. I, uh, I mean, I hung out with the football team a lot. I guess you could say, like they were always stuffing me in lockers and Aww. pulling up my underwear. I giving played me wedgies. football. You in, did in my neighborhood. Yeah, I was always QB. I had a okay. right. mean Super. arm. Sounds cool. Yeah. So we should probably get back to some music, and I'll lead off with a rockabilly great, or at least that's what Spud calls him, Ray Smith with Shake Around. And following that, we have the vaccines with Handsome. Now the cats all start to stew when they see my baby do the shake around. 
Oh, your cheeks are thicker, cool. You better learn how to do the shake around. Cause when the record starts to groove and let your body start to move the shake around.
Stay tuned for more of the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. Welcome back to the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. So, if I may, I wanted to do a quick little preview of my podcast this week. Um, I'll I'll just be really oh, brief here. Really? I, that is not yeah. on the schedule here, Derek. Well, I, I know, but as co-host, I mean, I have a little leeway to come and insert myself. So, on this week's episode, I will be discussing just how amazing a Trump presidency will be for this country. Very soon, we will have our country back. And, you know, I'm going to talk about how many things Mr. Trump will rename to honor the office of the presidency. You mean... He will try to change the names of places. Uh, how can he do that legally? Oh, let me guess uh, that he'll start it's renaming them. It's called an executive order. Ugh, that's awful, Derek. No one wants to download your podcast to hear this garbage. Uh, my numbers say. If you want to share your fantasy, if if you want to share your fantasy world politically to our four or your four or five listeners, that's fine, but not on this show, okay? I bet my yep. grandmother has more listeners on her podcast yep. than you would ever put out. Look, I'm doing really well right now, actually. Do you want the total numbers of downloads I got last week? Uh, no, not really. The numbers exist in your own fantasy world. Let us focus on finishing up this radio show and uh, where there's actual human beings listening. <sighs> well, look, everyone just go to www.derekspodcast.com. Okay, so why don't we return to the music now, for God's sake. Leading off is The Great Question Mark and The Mysterians with an alternative take on the 96 Tears. And then we have a song from The Stripes, Fill the Spaces In. Hit it, TJ. This is 96 Tears, Mysterium. But one heart to carry on Your way on top now Since you left me You're always laughing Way down at me But watch out now I'm gonna get there We'll be together for just a while And then I'm gonna put you way down here And you'll start crying 96 tears When the sun comes up, I'll be on top. You'll be right down there. 
looking up And I'm my way Come up here But I don't see you Waving now I'm way down here Wondering how I'm gonna get you But I know now I'll just cry Cry I'll just cry Too many teardrops For one long To be crying Too many teardrops For one heart To carry on You're gonna cry 96 tears You're gonna cry 96 tears You're gonna cry Cry, cry, cry now You're gonna cry Cry, cry, cry 96 tears Come on, let me hear you cry
This is the Spud Goodman Post Show Report. All right. So it is uh, now the time for highlights. Derek? Gina. In this next next clip, uh, it's our Out of the World highlight for the week. And in this one, our good friend Ted Marr has a very interesting uh, piece of information for us. I'm just going to let him talk about this. Okay. You know, there have been stories over the years that he may have, you know, punked us all by faking his death. And I was such a huge fan. If if you are able to connect with him right now, that that would be, you know, good enough proof for me so I can finally have closure. All I can say is it's just weird when you don't know for sure if someone's actually dead. Well, um, what my spirit friends are saying on the other side is that he did fake his death. And um, he's still very much alive today, but living under an assumed name. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. That's a scoop. Mm-hmm. I'm sure TMZ is going to be mm-hmm. on this. You're going to definitely get on TMZ for that. All right. Well, um, what, <laughs> where, where, where's he hanging out at, if I could ask? Or is that like, uh, is that like the you know witness protection thing where he's not allowed to disclose or you're not allowed to disclose for him? Um, I got California. California. Well, all right. And he goes between Los Angeles and Vegas. Wow, that's pretty quite a bit. That's done, yeah. Um, yeah. So he's not on that other side then. So he's still hanging with all of us. So uh, this is interesting. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, that's that's an interesting theory. I mean, what do you think about that, Derek? That's you know, it's kind of funny. I was just in Vegas, and kind of makes me wonder if I ran into him while I was there. Yeah, right. I, I'm gonna look at everybody now, and if I ever see somebody that that looks like him, I might be like, oh, I bet that's him. Go ask for his autograph. All right. So returning to the music, we're going to start with a live cut from Devo, Uncontrollable Urge. And after that, we have a tune from Chris Crofton, The Alcohol Stuntman.
it's an ashtray And my cape is a bar rag I don't jump over canyons Sharks, fountains, or semis I fall off of bar stools And wake up with black eyes To drink peppermint schnapps Till I'm caught in a bear trap Give me beer and a ladder Whiskey and a chair Wine coolers and a bunk bed And I'll fly through the air My body is the fairground My demons the cheering Crowd watching my breakdown I don't drink to fortune And I don't drink to fame I drink to my sadness And I drink to my The Spud Goodman Post Show Report. All right. And it is the time for our last celebrity highlight. Already? Derek. Again? Yeah. Wow. I know. All right. So this uh, last highlight comes from the RJ Mitty interview talking about shooting the final season of Breaking Bad. Oh, nice. Keep fighting for the next one. Well, during the shooting of the last season, I was just curious, were you afraid your character might meet a terrible fate? I mean, if they were ever going to have a reunion movie or something, it would be a bummer if Walter White Jr. wasn't around. You know, I actually, I was hoping for a good old-fashioned bloodbath death. Oh. I thought, uh, I thought, I thought that would have been the most ultimate, um, ultimate sacrifice that Brian's character, what would have had to do was sacrifice sacrifice his son because then he then everything would have been for nothing right 
Okay. Um. Well, you know, I wanted to get <laughs> on that note. <laughs> yeah, really. Um. Uh. Now, don't say too much though, because I I have not finished Breaking Bad. Neither have I. Oh, you haven't? No, I've oh, okay. I finished like the first couple episodes. All right, so no spoiler alerts, mm-hmm. anybody. Yeah. I I was really worried listening to that interview. I had to like close my ears a, a, a couple times to make sure. So, yeah. All right. So uh, we'll just move on to our next set of music. We're going to begin with Soundgarden's Bleed Together. And following that, we have uh, something from the new solo album from Brian Fallon, uh, Steve McQueen.
could take my time I could speed you up I could pull you in Until you can't get enough Let's go slip sliding in my veins Cause this life is only chains Nothing like the colors in my dreams I just wanted to be Steve McQueen With my horses of English racing green You and me in British racing green They can hold us down They can break your pride If it gets too rough You can climb inside Let's go slip sliding in my veins Cause this life is only chains Nothing like the colors in my dreams We just wanted to be Steve McQueen With my horses of English racing green You and me in British racing green And don't you know That you and I are never going home Since we don't want to be show is uh, just about over everybody. I mean, at times it was dragging a bit, Derek, and the what? plug for your own podcast was a bit much. Look, I'm just I'm just doing my co-host duties of adding a bit of flavor to the show. And uh, by the way, for anybody that missed it earlier, it's uh, www.derekspodcast.com. You don't ever hear me talking about my podcast when I'm a co-host, do you? No. Well, that's so, not my problem. I mean, it's not my fault you don't promote your show. 
So except for that, I think the show went pretty darn well. I'm pretty sure Lawrence will approve when he gets a chance to listen to it. I mean, sure, I could have and should have been a bit more forceful in taking control. I mean, no but offense to Lawrence, but I feel this has been our best show ever. I mean, it just hit on all cylinders. Very entertaining radio. Uh, you know, I would be more than willing to sit down with you and Lawrence to talk about how much we can improve the show. Uh, I've learned so much from doing my podcast, and I would be absolutely willing to share that information and uh, help make yeah. this show greater. That's very generous of you, but I think we're good. You can get a hold of my grandmother, though, and talk about your guys' podcast. I mean, let me know if you want to talk to her and want her number, because she loves to talk on the phone. So, Super. you know, I should probably thank our panel for tonight's show. Uh, TJ on the soundboard, you did a wonderful job. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. And Mike, our engineer, always amazing. Oh, geez. Stop it. Um, we have Trent, our silent guy behind the scenes. Derek, your podcast is bad and you should feel bad. I don't. I don't feel one bit bad. And of course, our fantastic college intern, Carrie Tompkins. I hope you're still keeping away from those uh, silly college hockey sack players. They can be really wild at times. Absolutely. I'm very dedicated to my studies. Hmm. Uh, so uh, do you or Lawrence have any vacation plans for the near future? I mean, I have some ideas that as a co-host I could bring to the show and uh yeah, I think there's a lot of things that we could do to make the show better. And uh, if you want to take the time, I can sit here and talk about them with you. I bet you do. I'm just trying to help out around here. I mean, I know there are limitations with all things connected to Spud Goodman. I mean, it's like trying to do a radio show with one hand tied behind your back. Well, Super. You, you can tie whatever limbs you want. Um but I'm up here. I'm just doing fine. So until next week, I want to thank you all for tuning in. And we will leave you tonight with green jelly and three little pigs. Good night, everybody. Derek, now out. Well, the first little piggy, well, he was kind of hippie. Spent most of his days just a-dreaming of the city. And then one day, he bought a guitar. He moved to Hollywood to become a star. Of the city built his house out of straw. What a pity! Then one day, jamming on some chords, along came the wolf knocking on his door. Little pig, little pig, let me in. By the hair of my chinny chin chin. Well, I'm huffing, I'm puffing, I'll blow your house in. Puffing, puffing, blow your house in. Puffing, puffing, blow your house in. Puffing it up.
was a rock star named Pink Nugent earned his master's degree from Harvard College. Built his house from his architect knowledge. A dry level mansion, Hollywood Hills. Daddy's rock stardom paid for the bills. Then one day came the old house master, the big bad wolf, the little piggy slasher. Little pig, little pig, let me in. Goodman Post Show Report is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Associate producer, David Deer. On-air talent, Annie Coleman and Derek Schneider. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Production assistants, Trent Botello and Carrie Tompkins. Theme music composed and performed by Brian J. Martin. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicists. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Super. Mm.